Broadcasting live from atop the Rocky Mountains, the crossroads of the West. West. You are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk Show. Show. All right. Happy to have you along, my fellow Americans. Sam Bushman live on your radio. Hard-hitting news that I refuse to use. No doubt starts now. This, my fellow Americans, is the broadcast for June 9th of the year of our Lord, 2021. This is our one of two, and our goal always to protect life, liberty, and property, and to promote God, family, and country on your radio in the traditions of our founding fathers. Yes, indeed, ladies and gentlemen, we use the blueprint for liberty, the supreme law of the land, the Constitution for the United States of America as our guide, and absolutely we're convinced that checks and balances are critical. We're also convinced that we need to reject revolution and stand for peaceful restoration of the greatest country on the face of the earth. Welcome to Liberty Roundtable Live. Wow, have we got so much to cover, so little time. Let's recap yesterday's broadcast first, shall we? The Supreme Court will not hear a case on women in the military draft. Thank heavens for that. I don't believe women belong in a military draft. I don't believe we ought to draft anybody, much less women. Right. Um, you know what? Uh, we want to use this draft as if government has authority to force you to go to war. Ladies and gentlemen, we need to be very clear about this. You know what? Agency is all important. We've turned the war powers over to a single man or woman, a single person, the president. That is unconstitutional. We need to go back to the Congress declaring war, defining missions, funding it properly. Not only does Congress control the war reality but it controls the purse strings there too and we need to be very 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 careful that we don't just have this war mentality 24 7 so grateful absolutely grateful that women are not going to be considered for the draft we also talked to our guest randy wilson his aka thumpers his nickname he's with patriotssoapbox.com doing a great job thank randy we also had our guest on, Connie Fanenka. She's a local citizen from Rapid City, South Dakota. We discussed liberty with her at the Red Pill Expo Live. Arctic sea ice is melting twice as fast. Now they say it's a cycle of rising temperatures, and it's worrying researchers. It's not worrying me, folks. I'll tell you what's worrying me is our lack of willingness to turn to God Almighty. That's worrying me. If we turn to God, he'll protect us and heal our land. We won't need to worry too much about the ice melting, will we? Second hour, we had a, our guest on Julie Fry Mueller. She's a South Dakota state senator, and um, she's doing a great job in South Dakota. She says, do you know all of your local officials, Sam? Do they know you? I don't actually know them all. Sadly, I know more about the American sheriffs <laughs> and about the federal or national congressmen and senators than I do some of my own local officials. And uh, she called me out and said, Sam, you got to repent and change that. She's right. Do you know all of your local officials? I'm talking about city, county, state. Do you know all those people? Do they know you? Great, fair, open-minded questions, I'll tell you that. We also had our guest on Florence Thompson, president of the South Dakota P.I.E. Yeah, that's Parents Involved in Education. And USPIE.org is their website. Stop the Fed, Ed. Stop Federal Education. 
Great, great work over there. They're also working on a documentary, Truth and Lies in American Education. Please donate and help them get their film done today, would you please? We finished up by asking, should companies be allowed to require their employees to get the vaccinations? Can a company require you? Uh, They're saying that a company can require you, and I agree. Now you say, wait a minute, Sam, you're not for vaccines. I know I'm not for vaccines. But whose company is it? If it's my company, I can decide. Let me say that again. I can decide whether I require vaccines or not, not the government. And if I want to require vaccines, let me. Leave me alone. But you know what? If you don't like it, go start your own company or go work for somebody else. Now, personally, my company will not be so psychotic and evil as to take away your agency. If you want to take the vaccine and you feel comfortable and you feel like it's what you're led to do, by all means, I'll support your decision. I personally am not for vaccines, but I I want as much respect for my decision as I'm going to give you for yours. You choose to take the vaccine, I'll support you. You choose not to take the vaccine, I'll support you. Each person, each family, they need to make up their own minds based on the research and the input and the feelings of the spirit and guidance from God Almighty. Pray about it. If you feel like you should take vaccines, go ahead. If you feel like me and you don't want one, go ahead. We should be respectful of people's decisions. I just wish the other side would be as respectful as I'm trying to be. That's a recap of yesterday's broadcast. Still available at libertyroundtable.com and lovingliberty.net. Spread the word. Without further ado, news that I refuse to use starts now. Larry Pratt, discussions of all things Liberty. Welcome back to Liberty Roundtable Live, sir. And Sam, thanks so much for having me back. You are very welcome. There's so much going on in the world today. What do you think about my stance on vaccines? Well, I think it's a a very reasonable stand. Um, There's enough scientific opinion on both sides that I think people ought to be left to themselves to read up on themselves to decide whether they think it's a good idea for them or not. I personally agree with your personal conclusion, and uh, I'm not planning on having any vaccine in me. Uh, And one of the things that occurs to me during this whole discussion is, okay, we're uh, rightly deciding whether or not to uh, mandate or not uh, that people have a medical procedure. But whatever happened to hydroxychloroquine? Uh, That seems to have dropped off the radar. And here's something that there's no argument, as far as I know, about its safety. It's been used for over half a century, and it is completely uh, safe as far as anybody can tell. Uh, Why aren't we using that since it seems to be fairly effective, particularly when taken early on uh, with uh, fighting the coronavirus? Amen to that. I also don't know why the ivermectin discussions, Dr. Pierre Corey spoke before Congress about the success there. There's many treatments, many options, many solutions, and that's why I don't understand why do we have to try to force our will on others. That's why as a company, I'm not debating if my employees should get vaccinated or not. I'm just merely telling you that it's a non-issue. If you're a good worker, I'm going to hire you. I'm going to be grateful for your work. You're going to get uh, enumeration for your hard work, and I'm going to get uh, the furthering of my company, and it's going to be a wonderful thing. We're just going to agree that, you know what, agency, your ability to choose and figure it out for yourself is all important in this country. And we as private organizations and business and churches and whatever else need to start having some dang healthy respect for that, sir. Yeah, that uh, that I think is a very reasonable position, but it seems that, 
if if I had to explain why the drive for mandatory uh, the mandatory nature of some of the debate, why we oh well we have to have everybody vaccinated. Well, why? Uh, if the vaccine is effective in keeping people from getting uh, a particular disease, then if somebody doesn't have the vaccine, how does that endanger other people? Uh, it's, uh, are we actually hearing an admission that maybe the vaccine uh, it doesn't do what they say it does anyway? And so <laughs> you've got the risk attendant with taking a, a vaccine, which is different from taking say hydroxychloroquine which uh, from what we know has no risk or virtually no risk certainly nothing compared to what it is with the vaccine uh it it seems to me that i I hear the cash register going ka-ching during this debate uh that maybe that helps drive some of the uh, uh some of the demand in the elite circles and government circles that everybody get a vaccination. Uh, maybe they get campaign contributions. And, of course, if, if it's a captive audience and everybody has to have a vaccine, then the companies obviously have a financial interest there. Following the money is often a good way to uh, get to the bottom of what's going on. It's also interesting. Now we're starting to see people dying who are vaccinated from the COVID and people are starting to ask why. And so, you know what? We don't have the definitive on this, ladies and gentlemen. And that's why I'm saying we need to be very, very careful not to force our will on people. People, I believe, can get guidance from God Almighty if they pray and he can direct them what they should do. Maybe a young buck who's, you know, healthy, feels like he wants to take the vaccine, you know, and he feels like his body can handle it. That's fine. What about someone like me that's, I'm not way old, but I'm a little bit older, over 50 for sure. Uh, and you know what? I might feel like it's not wise for me to take the vaccine because of other underlying health conditions, et cetera. Why can't we just agree to disagree and help and, and, and be, um, have a healthy dose of people can choose as they want to? And we need to have respect for that choice. I mean, after all, that's one of the great things that separates America, at least it has in the past, from other countries, Larry. Absolutely. That, I think, is um, we're really talking about something very basic, and it actually goes beyond uh, the argument of whether the vaccine is effective or not, and that's an important discussion to have. But you're talking about are, are we going to continue to understand America as it was intended and for many years, uh, with uh, lamentable exceptions, has been practiced. America has been uh, that country that uh, I think it was Reagan that uh, developed the metaphor of uh, a light on a shining hill, a city as a light on on a hill. Uh, that uh, that that's something that uh, it doesn't pay too many payrolls, but it sure en- enables a lot of people to live their lives. All right, hang tight, ladies and gentlemen. I got another story that'll knock your socks off. I want to talk about right after the break. With our buddy Larry Pratt, this is Liberty Roundtable Live. As the United States boldly stepped forward in the glorious light provided by its new constitution in 1787, 
The nations of the earth were in awe of the newfound strength and hope of this free land. Today, the nation stands at a crossroads. A divergence from the original intent put forth in the United States Constitution has brought grave threats to our beloved nation. A miracle is needed if the United States is to survive. That miracle is again the pure application of the United States Constitution. I'm Scott Bradley. In my To Preserve the Nation book and lecture series, I bring forth truths that will help raise up a new generation of statesmen like those noble Americans who founded this land. Vigorous application of these principles will invigorate and restore the nation, and we may become again the freest, most prosperous, most respected, and happiest nation on earth. Visit topreservethenation.com to begin that restoration. Okay, girls, about finished with your lesson on money. Daddy, what is a buy-sell spread for gold coins? Well, when you sell a gold coin to a coin shop that's worth, say, $1,200, you don't actually get $1,200. But don't worry, we're members of UPMA now, so we don't have to worry about that. Daddy, what if somebody steals our gold? We don't have any gold at the house. It's stored safely in the UPMA vault, securely and insured. But the S&P 500 outperformed gold. Daddy, gold is a bad investment. Some people do think of it that way, but actually gold is money. And as members of the United Precious Metals Association, we can use our gold at any store, just like a credit card. Or I can ask them to drop it right into mommy and daddy's bank account because we're a UPMA member family. Find out more at upma.org. That's upma.org. All right, back with you live, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Sam Bushman, Larry Pratt's with me discussing all things liberty and right before the pause we were discussing this vaccine thing you know why are they trying to force everyone to take the vaccine if it's safe and effective americans will see that and you know hey maybe six months a year later people will get the vaccine by choice but why force this why demand a vaccine passport why do all this stuff why not support people's agency and i think that larry hit on it a lot of time it's follow the money a lot of time it's this force and control discussion a lot of times they want people to go ahead and get the vaccines because they realize that they're not safe and effective. But they want you to go ahead and get the um, you know, vaccine before, they, before people realize that it may not be as safe and effective uh, as they once thought. That's kind of an interesting idea. But here's the latest headline. Believe it or not, Larry Pratt, this is from USA Today. Are you ready? Shoot. Headline says, joints for jabs. Adds new incentive for shots. USA Today by John Bacon. And they literally say this, Larry. Joints for jabs is an official thing in Washington State. The state's liquor and cannabis board said this week that it will allow state licensed cannabis retailers to provide one joint to those who get their cocoa shot. And I look at this, my friend, and I'm going, you're telling me the government's now dealing dope if you take the cocoa vax. Have we lost our cotton-picking minds? Now, I know you're going to say that's a racial comment, ladies and gentlemen. No, I'm not. I'm white, and my literal ancestors were white and picked cotton back in the day. So get off me. Leave me alone. I'm telling you, it is absolutely mind-boggling crazy what we're doing. Larry? Well, we've come a long way, baby. (laughs) 
when we've got the the government pushing pot. That uh, I must say is something that uh, would have been even maybe five years ago, but certainly most of the time I've been active politically. The official position of most governments in the United States was pot's a bad thing and we'll put you in jail if you use it uh, or we'll fine you at least. And uh, <laughs> now we've got such a complete turnaround uh, that uh, it's being offered. I'm not sure a joint is a terribly significant inducement, uh, frankly. Uh, come and, and get a shot for, I don't know what a joint's worth, uh, Who knows? Three bucks, five bucks, ten bucks, whatever. We know it's not a lot of money for a single one. It can't be, right? Yeah, right. (laughs) And it may be less than that. Uh, All I know is, uh, is that really in people's mind going to be a fair trade? Um, Maybe if you're on a high, hey, man, sure, yeah, give me the shot, man. That's okay. (laughs) I need to give me the joint before I take the jab. Maybe that's what they're doing. I'll give you, you know, I'll get you drunk. I'll let you drink. You know, t- 10 shots at the bar, and as long as you're there, roll over and get the vaccine. I mean, it's insane. I don't understand the willingness for government to even make these kind of ties. We're going to literally kill dope. When will it be a heroin hit, or I don't even know what to call it, a heroin dope? Well, I, I don't can, know what it is, but when will it be that new, for, a, you know? A new sign, Sam, uh, Saloon and Vaccination Center. <laughs> wow. Yeah, well, just between shots, it'll be kind of like a... I don't know what they call that, that beer game or shot game where they, and, and we'll just, you know, you do the shot, then you get a jab. You do the shot, your buddy takes the jab. You play Russian jab roulette, right, with shots, kind of a game. I mean, what on earth are we thinking? I mean, it's funny in a way because it's just like psychotic, but it's not funny. Well, this is real government using our tax dollars to buy people joints. You know, Aldous Huxley wrote a dystopian novel decades ago. Uh, and I believe it was called Brave New World. And the population was essentially on dope. Uh, he had a slightly different technical uh, scenario. But it, it, the population was pacified, and they only did what they were told, um, and everybody was happy, and everything went along smoothly. Uh, and <laughs> it almost seems if we're offering a marijuana joint for a jab that uh, – Maybe Aldous Huxley wasn't writing uh, fiction so much as he was prophecy. <laughs> wow. Sad to, now, I got a problem with this, though. If you go ahead and you get the jab and then you get your joint and then you get all stoned and then, man, you got to at least have a government-funded pizza, don't you, for the munchies and stuff? Well, yeah, why not? Uh, how? What <laughs> argument would you use against it? <laughs> and that is the whole point. What argument would you use against it? Ladies and gentlemen, we have crossed the Rubicon to where government can literally steal from the American people in terms of tax dollars, and then they can literally fund and promote anything they want to, from pot to pizza to vaccinations to who knows what else. But I do have good news to take, it out, take us out of the abyss, Larry. You ready for this one? I'm ready. U.S. District Judge. guy's name is Roger T. Benez, I think is how you say it. Or, um, Benitez. Benitez. Or Benitez. All right. You probably got a better handle on that. He ruled that California's 32-year-old assault weapon ban, unconstitutional, brother. Now, is that um, a good uh, start? It's a, it's a stunning uh, good start. 
that a judge in the federal system, <laughs> much less in California, where he would have been appointed by California officials, um, senators and others that get together to get the recommendations to the senators, that he would make such a uh, constitutional argument uh, is really um, cause for rejoicing, even if it's a fluke, uh, even if it gets overturned later on. What is one thing that's certain, almost certain to happen, is that once you get a, uh, once you get a decision like this, and there are other uh, circuits in the federal system that are of a very different opinion, that difference in opinion is one of the things that uh, frequently is what the court, the Supreme Court uses to decide what are we going to review? What cases are we going to put before us? And so the... What cases the ban, are going to be precedent, right? Exactly. Uh, so uh, this may well uh, be something that launches uh, the Second Amendment as a Second Amendment issue, as a right to keep and bear arms issue, uh, as the uh, the well-organized militia issue, that may just put that all uh, uh, on its way to the Supreme Court. So what this Judge Benitez has done is um, hopefully very, very significant. Well, and I think it's really important to understand this happened in a very liberal area of the country, jurisdictionally speaking, at this district court, right? Oh, yes. Uh, uh, it's uh, I'd, I'd have to do some research to be able to come close to explaining how did a guy like that who thinks constitutionally about something as as uh, controversial as guns, how did he come to make a decision like that? How did he get chosen? Because his constitutional views couldn't have been a big secret. Uh, it would be interesting to know uh, when he was put on the court. Maybe it was a uh, way back in the day, California did have Republican senators. Maybe one of them put him on, uh, but I don't know that he would have been on the court that long. Uh, it's an interesting question, uh, but he's certainly, hopefully, not a one-off. Uh, let's hope that his arguments, which uh, are, are pretty well done, uh, are going to be convincing. We shall see. Well, and the other thing that I think um, is, you know what, we're starting to see, uh, you know, we talk a lot about this overreach from government, Larry Pratt, and how, you know what, this overreach has just got to stop. And I think that we're reaching a little bit of a critical mass scenario where we're going beyond the normal Republican-Democrat divide. We're beyond the red-blue divide where we say, oh, it's a Republican, or oh, it's a Democrat, or oh, it's this and that. Of course they do that. We're against it because we're the other side. We're, we're beyond that. And we're starting to say, you know what? Um, these abuses are so great that everybody with common sense can see it. And it's no longer becoming a liberal, conservative, you know, red-blue discussion. It's like this judge is just going, wait a minute. They've gone way too far here. Um, you know what? I don't. This isn't not. This isn't a divide issue. This is a an American issue. And don't you think Americans are starting to wake up to that truth? Indeed. And I think uh, an election that was held just a few days ago in uh, Hidalgo uh, County, Texas, uh, down in McAllen, uh, the one of the southernmost points of our country, um, a very Hispanic area, and for years has been a very Democrat area. 
Now, as you and I know, and I, I'm sure we've even discussed it in the past, the Hispanic uh, person by person tends to be fairly constitutional on many issues, uh, but they have been party-line voters. Well, they didn't vote party when they elected a Republican mayor in McAllen, Texas. That just wasn't supposed to happen. In fact, Republicans win two Texas mayoral races, shocking everyone in the process. Quick pause, Larry Pratt, I'm Sam Bushman. This is the one and only Liberty Roundtable Live. Proclaiming liberty across the land. You're listening to Liberty News Radio. USA Radio News with Lance Pride. President Biden broke off negotiations with a group of GOP senators attempting to get a bipartisan infrastructure bill done. Biden informed GOP leaders Tuesday that the latest offer from the group did not, in his view, meet the essential needs of our country to restore our roads and bridges and prepare for a clean energy future. El Salvador's legislature voted early Wednesday to make Bitcoin legal tender. El Salvador in Central America will become the first country to formally adapt the digital currency once President Nayib Bukele signs the legislation into law. The Senate on Tuesday approved a bipartisan $250 billion bill boasting government spending on technology research and development amid rising competition from China and other nations. The bill passed 68 to 32. It won approval after being delayed just before the Senate's Memorial Day recess. This is USA Radio News. It may be the biggest cover-up of our time. Was the coronavirus created in a lab? And did the Chinese government hide the truth? Now, Steve Cortez and Jen Pellegrino give you the shocking truth on their hit Newsmax show, Cortez and Pellegrino. Newsmax is already the fourth largest cable news channel in America. And all this week, Cortez and Pellegrino tell you the real story about the coronavirus the big media won't tell you. More than 30 million Americans watch Newsmax, now on all major cable systems. If your cable company doesn't carry Newsmax, call them. Tell them you want Newsmax or you can switch. Plus, find Newsmax for free on your smart TV, Roku, Pluto, Zumo, or more. And remember, you can download the free Newsmax app on your smartphone and start watching now. Join millions of Americans turning off the old cable news and going to Newsmax for real news they can trust. Check Newsmax out today. Delivery fees based on skin color fails in Arizona. Tim Berg reports. Uber Eats, Postmates, and DoorDash say they will no longer waive delivery fees for customers who order from black-owned restaurants in Arizona to settle charges by the state that the deal violated the Arizona Civil Rights Act. The companies adamantly deny any wrongdoing in the promotions, which were announced last summer at the height of the Black Lives Matter movement. Arizona Attorney General Mark Burnovich disagrees. Yeah, it, it's absolutely dumbfounded when you, when you think about this, but this is the problem, whether it's big tech, whether it's sports, teams now and you know you've talked about this all of this corporate american is trying to trip over themselves to social signal virtual signal to show how woke they are and what they're doing is creating these incentives which we believe obviously were illegal but it's a more fundamental problem the the far left the hard the far left and their useful idiots in corporate america now are essentially undermining what being americans about that audio courtesy of fox news usa radio news
All right, hard-hitting talk continues on your radio, ladies and gentlemen. Joints for jabs adds new incentive for the shot. Wow, government dealing dope to get shots. Insanity in America. U.S. District Judge Roger T., uh, whatever his name is, Bananas or whatever else, he basically shut down 32 years of tyrannical behavior. California's 32-year-old assault weapons ban. I don't even know what an assault weapon is because if I ever have a weapon, it's never an assault weapon. It's a self-defense weapon uh, by thugs who might abuse my rights. And my God-given unalienable right of self-defense is codified in the Second Amendment. So uh, I don't know what they mean by assault weapons. That's just manipulated scare tactics to make you believe guns are evil and bad. But I'm glad the judge sees it correctly. And uh, it's a start, folks. Americans are starting to realize it's not a left-right discussion. It is an American discussion. Shocker, Republicans win. Two Texas mayoral races. I'm calling it a shocker because I thought with the vote fraud would never win another election, Larry. <laughs> well, the encouraging thing is I guess there were so many votes. This is a, the, the area of McAllen, Texas, that where uh, Mr. Villalobos was elected. Um, they haven't done anything Republican for a quarter of a century, uh, and that was probably not that much even back in that day. Uh, and what they did was to show that really people are leaving their partisan um, identification behind when they enter the voting booth, and they're thinking about issues. Uh, and and in this case, uh, you know, the voters of McAllen uh, were willing to have a guy that was a fiscal conservative. They wanted uh, uh, some of those kinds of constitutional values in their local elected official at the mayoral level. And uh, it was a stunning uh, turnaround uh, because the Democrats, I think, figured they owned that uh, that mayor out, that mayor's uh, office, and uh, they wake up the next morning after the election, and whatever fraud was going on wasn't enough to overcome uh, this tremendous vote uh, among. Hey Amen. Let me ask you another question. Let me ask you another question, which I think is shocking about this too. The guy that won is he white or Hispanic? Oh, he, uh, Javier Villalobo. Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm demonstrating a point here. I'm demonstrating a point, so stick with me. So if it's not a white guy, and it's obviously not, then um, why would the Republican, why would he be a Republican, number one? And number two, why would he be backed by so many people? Maybe we're not so racist after all. And uh, maybe people are breaking out of these stereotypes and beginning to vote on the issues that they have identified with they just kind of set them aside oftentimes in the past when they went into the voting booth. Maybe that's not going to be happening anymore. And it's not enough to say I'm a Democrat or I'm a Republican. You're going to have to tell people the kind of things that you want to get done to get their support. Otherwise, you're not going to get it. Uh, we could uh, ask that unhappy Democrat candidate for mayor down in McAllen uh, how that works if you don't explain uh, why people ought to vote for you. Now, uh, I guess, as far as I understand, there's some women that's a white woman that lost, too, right? Uh, yes, it was. Uh, and she had a, What's her name, Maddie um, Parker? I don't, I can't tell you that I have that name in front of me, but it, I do recall that it was a, a woman. And uh, uh, there was another similar election, which I haven't boned up on in Texas, but another 
Democrat area that went Republican. It's clearly a wake-up call, and, and, and the Republicans better not be too satisfied that, oh, it's only a lesson for the Democrats. It, I think this is a, a lesson that people are now beginning to look at what the candidates uh, say they're going to do, what they're likely to do, what uh, how what kind of issues really are on the table, and that seems to be the message more than the surprising partisan turnaround in the election booth. Because this didn't happen uh, just because people have all of a sudden decided that the Republican elephant looks cool. Ladies and gentlemen, it's decided because people are starting to realize that who they elect matters. When Joe got in, whacked out, crazy Uncle Grandpa, pornography Joe, um, you know, pervert, uh, keep your girlfriends, your wives, your daughters away from this whacked out guy. When people saw this guy get elected and they realized what absolute crazy changes he's making wholesale, people are starting to go, whoa, hold up, wait a minute. This isn't left-right. This isn't Republican-Democrat. This isn't black-white. This is America versus tyranny or America versus spend ourselves into oblivion or America ver- and we can go on and on but the point is so clear I mean 85% of the Hispanic community literally doubles down and votes for a Hispanic Republican now that is trend setting and justly so absolutely it's a I think it's a hopefully a new day and and as I just was saying it's not just a lesson for the Democrats, uh, it's a lesson for all uh, politicians that uh, uh, guys, uh, we're uh, we're not really interested in the way things have been running heretofore. We want to, uh, we want you to actually perform on the basis of what you said you would be doing. You know, I remember Sam um, I, when I was in the Virginia legislature a long time ago. Um, we had campaigned. The Republicans had campaigned. Uh, with the, the Republican gubernatorial candidate who had gotten elected. And within weeks, that new Republican governor was pushing a new tax, precisely one of the things we said we were specifically against. And when I objected to that in caucus, and I said, you know, guys, we, uh, we just uh, campaigned and got elected on the basis of no new taxes. How are you going to explain this to the voters? People looked over at me, and one of them said in contempt, that was while we were campaigning. Now we're governing. I see. (laughs) Well, the dishonesty on display, I'll tell you that right now. And I don't really care that it's a Hispanic or a white person or whatever else that went. I don't think race should even be part of the discussion. The only reason I bring it up is because they're so fixated on this every time we turn around, you know, that it's just starting to become obnoxious. And so I want to point out. That you know what it's not that it might be that way in their little um oh I don't know what you want to call it echo chamber but it's not that way for the rest of us in real America Larry and that is the point. Well, and if if we want to get rid of race, we're going to have to challenge the Democrats because they were the party that was formed in order to maintain slavery. They uh, fought a civil war in order to keep their slaves. Uh, they were the folks that operated the Jim Crow system of uh, maybe you're no longer a slave, but we're going to enslave you through laws called the Jim Crow Codes. And this is the party that has never really gotten away from the idea that a few people ought to rule over all the others. And I think that's what this election and McAllen 
uh, was speaking to. Uh, as, as you pointed out, there was a white gal running against an Hispanic. The Hispanic was running as a Republican. The white gal was running as a Democrat. And, and I think voters have uh, are, are coming to a point, maybe not as quickly as I would like, but they're, they seem to be on course now to saying to the politicians, we don't really care about your party. Uh, we want to know, are we going to be able to live our lives without uh, having to carry you on our back? Amen to that. And I don't really care about party at all, at all. And I don't really care what race someone is. And I don't really want to get rid of race. Uh, you know, God made us all different races. And I think that we're all God's children and we should act like it. I don't see why we can't just celebrate each other's differences and heritage and have genuine respect uh, and just live together, you know, as Americans and stand for the principles that made America great and reject the principles that strike at the heart of America that would destroy her. And I think that we all ought to just work towards the things that matter most, regardless of party, regardless of race. And, man, how whacked out is that, Larry? They call me a racist for that view, by the way. Yeah, that um, shows that when they, they are so devoid of arguments that they can make for, for their position on the left that they have to resort to pulling the race card out of the deck. And um, I I think uh, we, uh, to change the metaphor, we should tell them to put their race card back in their wallet because it's no longer accepted here. Amen to that reality check. I think we're all God's children and we should behave like it. And I don't give a rip what race someone is. Uh, to me, if somebody keeps the commandments of God, they're honest, they're self-governed, uh, they believe in the principles that I believe in, then they're simply friends of mine. And if they don't, then I want them to get the heck away from me. And I don't have to be abusive or hostile or violent. I can just agree to disagree agreeably with anybody. And I think that's what yeah. we really need to start pushing in America because, man, it's getting psychotic out there. Rand Paul sends me email every other day that his life's being threatened because he, what, is getting in the the way of their agenda? I mean, what's going on and around here? And it's not an empty threat, just uh, so everybody remembers. Uh, it was about a year ago, or maybe a little more, Rand Paul was out in his yard, and his neighbor came barreling in like a wild bull and body slammed him and broke several of his ribs. Wow, it's out of control, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, for the last segment with Larry Pratt, I got two stories. Uh, First one, judge rules school board action unconstitutional. Second one, teenager rear ends cop. We'll tell you what happens in seconds. Why don't we say to the government writ large that they have to spend a little bit less? Anybody ever had less money this year than you had last? Anybody better have a 1% pay cut? You deal with it. That's what government needs, a 1% pay cut. If you take a 1% pay cut across the board, you have more than enough money to actually pay for the disaster relief. But nobody's going to do that because they're fiscally irresponsible. Who are they? Republicans. Who are they? Democrats. Who are they? Virtually the whole body is careless and reckless with your money. So the money will not be offset by cuts anywhere. The money will be added to the debt. And there will be a day of reckoning. What's the day of reckoning? The day of reckoning may well be the collapse of the stock market. The day of reckoning may be the collapse of the dollar. When it comes, I can't tell you exactly, but I can tell you it has happened repeatedly in history when countries ruin their currency. You know where the solution can be found, Mr. President? In churches, in wedding chapels, in maternity wards across the country, 
and around the world. More babies will mean forward-looking adults, the sort we need to tackle long-term, large-scale problems. American babies in particular are likely going to be wealthier, better educated, and more conservation-minded than children raised in still industrializing countries. As economist Tyler Cowen recently wrote, quote, by having more children, you're making your nation more populous, thus boosting its capacity to solve climate change. The planet does not need for us to think globally and act locally so much as it needs us to think family and act personally. The solution to so many of our problems at all times and in all places is to fall in love, get married, and have some kids. All right, back with you live, ladies and gentlemen. There's so much to cover, so many things going on in the country. It's just hard to even get your arms around it all. But I got a couple of stories that I want to wrap up with Larry Pratt um, that are fascinating. Here's the first one. Judge rules school board action unconstitutional. Now, I don't know what's going on with these judges, but I'm starting to like some of these judges. I guess a teacher got reinstated. Here's what happened. It's Loudoun County. Public school teacher, the guy's name is Byron Tanner Cross. Now, I don't really get, I guess Tanner's his middle name or what? I don't know. Anyway, maybe he just goes by Tanner. Byron Tanner Cross. After the school board placed him on leave, what did he do wrong, you say? He said he refused to recognize and sanction transgenderism by using pronouns that don't fit the biological makeup of a student. The Leesburg elementary school teacher addressed the regular teacher's monthly school board meeting about the transgender discussion, about the district's pro-transgender policy. And he told the board clearly this, I serve God first, and I will not, Affirm that a biological boy is a girl. Why? Because it's against my religion. It's lying to a child, and it is sitting against my God to intentionally lie to a child. I will not do it. So they kicked him out after he said that, but now the judge reinstated him, Larry. That uh, is a lot more surprising than uh, Mr. Cross uh, saying what he did to the school board meeting. Uh, that was commendable, and it wasn't expected uh, because he kind of had to know uh, that he was going to be in some deep trouble once he uh, affirmed the uh, obvious uh, difference between boys and girls that somehow seems to have escaped some of the better educated people of our time. <laughs> Maybe they've been educated beyond some of these more obvious facts. <laughs> but anyway... Uh, that was a, a tremendous turnaround. I don't know if it'll stand, uh, but if they want to challenge it, I can see that going to the Supreme Court. I'm just saying this, and I agree with him on this point. I will not affirm that a biological boy can be a girl and vice versa because it's against my religion. It's lying to a child. It's abuse to a child, and it's sinning against my God. You know what? But, and you know when, when right. babies are born. Yeah, when babies are born, 
um, they don't have to have a conference in the delivery room as to, uh, uh, gee, uh, does anybody have any idea whether this is a, a boy or a girl? <laughs> Please. <laughs> and the problem is that people are getting literally prosecuted, and I would say persecuted, too, if they don't go along with this. In fact, they're getting fired and let go because they won't agree to these gender perversions. And uh, uh, I mean, it's shocking. Um how hostile this has become and on one hand it's kind of laughable on the other hand they're literally trying to pretend that gender has no reality i mean it's so dishonest and some people are saying to me when when um like i've got a friend who teaches in school and they say that there's a you know transgender in their school or whatever and they're like yeah we're told that we have to you know it's a he but she goes as a she and we're told we have to call her a she and i said are you going to do that to this person and they said yeah i don't really want to make waves i you know whatever if it's their preference that i want to um you know not not cause trouble and you know i understand that kindness is important i also understand though that you're literally forcing the rest of us to literally back a lie that and where is the kindness is in not that? a female and where's the kind and, and good where's the kindness yeah. in that larry yeah that's the uh the, the kindness seems to be something that is only operating one way. Toleration is something that is only operating one way. Uh, you're free to say whatever you want in this country according to the way some people look at it, as long as we agree with them. And that is the problem. And, and they say we're not kind otherwise and anything else. And see, I'm rejecting this notion. I don't want to call somebody who I know is a male a female. I don't want to call her by a female name. I don't want to use pronouns that relate to a female and all that kind of stuff. I mean, I, anyway, I don't, I, I don't know how to even, you know, deal with this thing, uh, except for I commend the judge for standing with the Constitution that this guy, uh, this um, teacher, um, has the right, Byron Tanner, or, uh, t you know, t Tanner, I guess is his name, um, he should be able to refer as he thinks fit. And this breakdown, they act like we're the ones that are kind of bucking normalcy. Normalcy has been that we treat people as male and female based on the science forever. This is a whacked out latest perversion that now they want to be the norm. And for us to be on the outside of the discussion, look it in. Sam, in the novel uh, that George Orwell wrote, 1984, one of the things that he showed very graphically uh, through repeated examples, was the people were forced to accept the complete perversion of language. And so they would celebrate uh, that uh, slavery is freedom, hot is cold, you know, whatever is, is completely stupid on its face, they were being forced to accept so that words meant only what the elite told them that the words were to mean and therefore they had no they couldn't even think properly because their ability to do that had been robbed from them when basic words and concepts were completely perverted anyway it's it's it, when we read those books in the 80s we kind of laughed and went wow that's a far out crazy world and now the sad yes. part 40 years later we're in it buddy yes Yes, uh, these were uh, people unhappily who did see what was very likely to happen 
And I, they, they were writing warnings. Look, if we continue in the direction in which we're heading, then this is the way it's likely to end up. And <clears throat> unhappily, they were right. And bad for us, it's our bad that we've ignored it and that we haven't objected enough to this uh, word game that's been played on us so that uh, we're forced to accept uh, that, oh, you want to call yourself a girl, uh, fella? Well, that's fine. Uh, whatever works for you. Well, you know, he can call himself whatever he wants, but that doesn't mean I have to. Wow, it's amazing what we live in, ladies and gentlemen. But you know what? I want to end with Larry Pratt on a good news story, man. You ready for this one, Larry? 18, yeah, I like a little good news. 18 rear ends a patrol car. Makes a new friend. The sergeant even attended his graduation ceremony the next day. Listen to this. It was the day before a Tampa teenager, his high school graduation, when he rear-ended a patrol car on a Florida interstate. In a panic, the boy named Quentin wondered if he would end up in jail. But the Hillsborough County Sheriff's Office sergeant, who was driving, reassured him that wasn't going to happen. And then accepted Quentin's invitation to attend his commencement ceremony the following day. WFLA reports. The boy was really upset, says the sergeant. I just tried to calm him down. I just tried to tell him it was no big deal. It was just an accident. It happens to people all the time. She tells ABC News. Anyway, the story goes on, but it finishes by saying the teen wasn't drunk. The teen wasn't looking at his stereo or looking at his phone or doing anything goofy. It turns out that it was just stop and go, stop and kind of crazy traffic, and the teenager just misjudged. And so mm -hmm. they said it was no big deal, and now the teenager and the sergeant are friends, so the sergeant goes to the teen's graduation. Now, let me just tell you, compared to the out-of-control belligerence of the police, why when a cop does something they shouldn't do a bad apple, why do they give it so much press wall-to-wall? -wall? And now you see a story like this, which is just tremendous, and I don't see anybody talking about it but me, sir. Uh, you're to be congratulated for having dug it out and then to have brought it up this morning uh, because you're precisely correct. Uh, if it doesn't bleed, then it doesn't lead. And for uh, the longest time, uh, journalism has focused on the bizarre, the uh, stunningly evil, uh, all of those kinds of things. Uh, and something like this really... Uh, should be uh, in the time of the campaign against the police, something like this especially should be brought front and center so we can see that uh, it's not a good thing to be generalizing about all cops are bad, uh, or all cops are good. All, you know, cops are people. Uh, we got stinkers among us all the time. Then we should all be we should all be against the bad ones. We should route them out of the system. We should all be supportive of the good ones. The defund the police psychotic viewpoint is crazy, 
Crazy town. I mean, I'm telling you right now, clown ideas running around. Uh, but yet this sergeant did a great job. This teenager has healthy respect for the police and for life. And what a cool story to tell, though. Could you imagine you're telling your kids later that when you're a grown man? You know what, man? When I was a kid, I crashed into a patrol car. I rear-ended that dude. And Anyway, what a cool story. Not because I like the crash part, obviously, but because I like the response. And I like This is America. In, in reality, this is real in America, day-to-day -day that affects people and lives and, and hopes and dreams and fears and all the above faith. And, you know, this is America. This is for real. And this is what's happening that we don't get to see because the mainstream press flat out refuses to tell the tale, Larry. These are the kinds of uh, stories that can build up, uh, our, restore our faith in our citizenship in this country uh, and what we're all about and give us a a renewed sense of common purpose, and uh, obviously the left doesn't want that. They want us divided so they can rule us. Uh, that's something that has been very apparent. Uh, they want group against group. Uh, they don't want us being looked at as just Americans. Uh, and they now, don't I'll want tell you this. I don't know if the judge is a male. I'm, I'm sorry, if the, if the um, Sergeant's a male or female. I don't know which person's black or white. I don't know any, anything about these people. I intentionally haven't even studied the story so I could make this claim. But I don't care. It's good people doing good things. Yeah. We're all God's children. Let's act like it. This is good people. I don't know anything about them. I don't know if they're transgender. I don't know if they're gay or straight. or I don't know if they're Christian or not. Or I, I don't know anything, Larry. But I'm saying it's good stuff. That's right. And uh, it, it certainly... Is the kind of thing that's uplifting and can, I think, encourage other people to go and do things of a like manner. Uh, why should we be focusing on only instructing on how to do bad? Oh, everything's bad, and there's no way I even trying to do anything decent. I reject the narrative. I concur with Larry, and I'm telling you right now, it's a great news story. Teenager rear ends cop. Patrol car. Teen cop make friends. Sergeant goes to teen's graduation the next day. I'm just telling you right now, that's really cool, folks. And I'm telling you right now that we the people can make the difference. We can take back the narrative from these clowns that want to divide and destroy on every front, on every line, and we can simply say, not on our watch, not happening. Larry Pratt, thank you, sir. Oh, thank you, Sam. Great to be with you as always. There he goes, Larry Pratt, all things Liberty, doing a phenomenal job. Hour one in the can, hour two coming up. I declare we the people, along with the grace of the Almighty, we can and will restore our grand old republic. But you got to get involved, make it a great day, and choose the right. This nation shall endure. God save the republic. LovingLiberty.net. live from atop the Rocky Mountains, the crossroads of the West. West. You are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk, radio Show. Talk Show. All right. Happy to have you along, my fellow Americans. Sam Bushman live on your radio. Hard-hitting news that I was refused to use. No doubt continues now. This is the broadcast for June 9th. In the year of our Lord, 2021, this is our two of two. The goal always to protect life, liberty, and property, and to promote God, family, and country on your radio in the traditions of our founding fathers, ladies and gentlemen. Um, 
a little interesting tidbit. I don't know if you know this, but the internet broke <laughs> yesterday, but they say now it's mostly back. Multiple websites went down in a massive outage. I guess it was cloud services company um, Fastly. I guess it's called Fastly. Um, and I guess uh, it was kind of a disaster, they say. And I thought I'd bring that to your attention. Um, if you're wondering and you had internet problems, that what was going on. Um, let's see. Believe it or not, it even affected CNN and other huge sites is the thing. It wasn't just like, hey, a few people went down. They say numerous websites were unavailable on Tuesday after an apparent widespread. Wow. A widespread outage. CNN couldn't be reached. Many other websites couldn't be reached that are huge. Um, I don't even understand it. The New York Times, CNN, Amazon, Twitter, Target, I mean, it goes on and on and on. Fastly acknowledged a problem just after 6 a.m. <clears throat> they said that it was tied to content delivery services is what kind of took them down or whatever else. I don't really understand enough about Fastly because I haven't researched it. But I find it interesting that the Internet broke and mostly now it's back, they say. How does that happen So in such a massive way or whatever you want to call it? I don't know, man, because I don't see why so many companies depend on Fastly. But there you have it. I thought I'd bring that to your attention because a lot of people, you know, things went down and they don't really understand what happened, right? Anyway, um, they say Bitcoin's value the um, melted down too, meaning the value declined over 10%. Now, they want you to believe that relates to the government's involvement. We'll get to that later. But all I'm telling you is it's very interesting how all these things kind of um, are interdependent nowadays. Everything is dependent on just a few little trigger points. Then the whole world goes down, you know, a little virus, and the whole world just panics for over a year. The internet goes down and everybody just melts right on down. Oh my gosh, it was just one company, but it affected hundreds of big, huge companies. These little teeny pivot points or choke points or whatever you want to call it, train switch ideas are so critical. All right, I digress. We'll get back to news that it was refused to use in a minute. But I mentioned to you that we're going to be playing interviews from Red Pill Expo for the rest of the week uh, the best we can here. We've got another interview. It's from a lady by the name of Mary Margaret Stratton. She's the author of a book called Kiss Addiction Goodbye. Uh, they call it a 12-stage or step diet to help people with addictive or compulsive behaviors. 12stepdiet.com is the website. Here is Mary Margaret Stratton. Happy to have you along, my fellow Americans. Sam Bushman continuing live from Red Pill Expo 2021 in South Dakota. I'm telling you right now, Saturday and Sunday, full of speakers, full of incredible knowledge. Americans waking up everywhere. No masks. It just doesn't get better than this, ladies and gentlemen.
people hugging people, being friends, <laughs> making relationships. I mean, come on. You got to dig it. Redpillexpo.org. If you missed it, you've only half missed out. You've missed out on all the camaraderie and the fun and the good times and the people loving and spending time with people and everything else. But you didn't miss out on the expo because there are streaming options available now. Redpillexpo.org. 45 bucks gets you 30 days. You can watch all the presentations. You can share it with your family. It doesn't get better than that. Why? Because we love you. Mary Margaret Stratton is with me, my next guest. She's an author of a book called Kiss Addiction Goodbye, 12-Step Diet to Aid Recovery and Help People Heal Addictive Compulsive Disorders and Behaviors, 12stepdiet.com. Welcome. Hello. Thank you for having me here. All right. So can I just call you Mary? Or what? Well, uh, my nickname is Anand. All my Anand. friends call me Anand, so you're my friend. I appreciate it, Anand. I'll try to remember <laughs> that, but I probably won't do well. Or Eminem. I go by Eminem, Eminem. for short. All right. Do you rap to Eminem? <laughs> no? Yo, 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 no. All right. <laughs> uh, just, just wondering. Um, so let me understand then, why are you an expert in this, and how did you begin to... Uh, create a book like this well uh i am a lay person first and foremost which means you're an expert uh, See, which... everybody else that say they're experts are ignorant but <laughs> go ahead certainly i um my journey began where i was dealing with what's called a process disorder uh i suffered from a thing called self-injurious skin picking okay. which is a kind of a nasty thing to have to share with people and so there's two things here going on though right uh, well, I was saying this was an addictive behavior that I suffered from. The skin thing. The skin thing. And at the same time, I'm married to an alcoholic. So between Ouch. those two different scenarios, I was always searching for healing and searching for ways to find recovery. All right. Before we get there, tell me about the process part, though. The process part. Oh, do you mean the, the, what I experienced? Yeah. So I would have an obsessive thought about uh, some something that would make me feel anxious. And so, and so my the thought would just persist. The thought would persist. Yes. And my way to alleviate that that persistent thought was to go pick. to the mirror and pick at my face. OK. And that would sometimes last for hours and hours on end. And it was um, you know, and, and then when I wasn't there, if I was in a situation where I couldn't be touching my face in front of people in a business meeting or what have you, I would still ruminate and obsess over, you know, a way to get that fixed to, to make me feel comforted again. And did that feel normal to you, or did you know that it was a problem? Oh, I knew it was a problem. I mean, okay. every time you look in the mirror and you see blotches all over your face, you know it's a problem. Sure. Okay, so you're experiencing that. You're struggling with your alcoholic husband. <laughs> yes. Which was worse? Oh, that's a tough question. Um, because neither are very... Um, neither are pleasant. Pleasant, yeah. <laughs> You know, probably my husband, because, uh, you know, is a person I love very dearly. Uh, yes. You know, and you, when you see somebody that you love suffer, it's, it's almost worse than having suffering yourself when you see somebody else. Yes. So uh, did one cause the other? Um, no, I suffered from this disorder prior to um, us getting married. Okay. So, yeah. All right. Go ahead. All right. So, so you have these two serious, serious I'm going to call them rocks in your life. You know, they are rocks, and rocks are meant to be uh, climbed over, I believe. Yes, or so remo I, removed. Removed. Uh, or removed. And uh, I have a, a, a friend, my friend John Kohler, calls them not crises or, 
or problems. He calls them opportunities, and I like to look at it that way as well. As they are if you have the right attitude. I absolutely, it. absolutely. So, you know, I've studied psychology a bit if you can't tell. <laughs> yes, Go I ahead. can tell. Um, so I'm, I'm also an artist. I was doing an art show in Palm Springs, and I confided in the gallery owner's son, who, I, who was a really smart young man, and he said, oh, you know, you should, eat this you should read this book called Eating for Beauty. And I read the book, and it was all about raw food nutrition for becoming a healthier person. I read the book, and something clicked in me. And I said, well, that's, you know, I'm trying everything else. Why, why don't I try this? So it was, a, it was a matter of about three or four months after applying the dietary principles of that book that I started to notice not only was my skin not breaking out like it used to, I, the, the obsessive thoughts were going away. And I was like, wait, I the haven't gone to... thoughts are going away. Yeah. I, w I, w like, I haven't been to the mirror in about a couple of months. This must be working. I need to know more. So that brought me on a journey to really just d dive into the deep end of understanding nutrition and biochemistry and then, and then sharing that information with my husband as well, who was dealing with the alcoholism. Now, are you still with your husband? I sure am. Because he is an alcoholic. Uh, he is a recovered. He's in recovery. So yes, he's an alcoholic. But if you're in recovery, though, that denotes the change we're talking about. So certainly, I'm not interested in discussing his being an alcoholic. I'm interested in discussing his change and his recovery and his sobriety and success is what I'm interested in. Sure, um, you can <laughs> you can talk to him about it if you want. But I'll, I'll sh I, I mean he has I have his permission to to share some of his story. So okay. So uh, did you guys, uh, you got this solved for you and then worked on him secondarily? Yes. And he just thought, you know what, if she can do this thing, there might be something here to help me? Yes, that's correct. Or was he resistant and angry at first? Oh, no, no, because no. he, he, he has been searching for recovery for a very long time as well. Okay, so he, very few alcoholics will admit and realize and they're searching for solutions, right? So yeah. this is a, a huge step that he's made. Uh, that many haven't made yet is what I'm trying to get at. Yes, yeah. Okay, because that's important, the want to change part, right? Oh, yeah. It's the, it's the first step of AA in 12-step programs. You have to realize that there is a problem and something needs to change. And is that where your 12 diet thing comes from? <laughs> it is. Um, in fact, the cover of the book is an homage to the very first edition. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we're in the middle of an incredible interview about addiction. Mary Margaret Stratton, my guest at Red Pill. Her book, Kiss Addiction Goodbye. Her website, 12stepdiet.com. The numbers, 12stepdiet.com. To learn more, back in a flash, interview continues in seconds on Liberty Roundtable Live. for Moral Law is a nonprofit legal foundation committed to protecting our unalienable right to publicly acknowledge God. The Foundation for Moral Law exists to restore the knowledge of God in law and government and to acknowledge and defend the truth that man is endowed with rights not by our fellow man, but by God. The foundation maintains a twofold focus. First, litigation within state and federal courts. Second, education conducting seminars to teach the necessity and importance of acknowledging God in law and government. How can you help? 
please make a tax-deductible contribution, allowing foundation attorneys to continue the fight. You may also purchase various foundation products as well at morallaw.org. Located in Montgomery, Alabama, the Foundation for Moral Law is a nonprofit, tax-exempt 501c3 founded by Judge Roy Moore. Please partner with us to achieve this important mission, morallaw.org. The spirit of the American West is live and well in Range Magazine, the award-winning quarterly devoted to the issues affecting the American West. Each issue contains informative articles, breathtaking imagery, as well as the culture of cowboy spirit today, and gift ideas like the 2021 Real Buckaroo Calendar. Order online from rangemagazine.com. Loving Liberty Network salutes the spirit of the American West at rangemagazine.com. Well, my mom smokes and my dad smokes, and I saw them smoking, so I tried it. They're telling me not to smoke, but they smoke themselves. When it comes to smoking, are you sending mixed signals? But when you teach someone a certain way to do things, and you go back on that certain way, it sends mixed signals to the person that they're trying to teach. The parents need to be the example. Smoking. If you think you're old enough to start, you're smart enough to stop. A public service message from this station and the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. All right, back with you live, ladies and gentlemen. Mary Margaret Stratton, my guest. 12stepdiet.com, the website. We're talking about Kiss Addiction Goodbye, her book. Mary continues. The Alcoholics Anonymous big book. And um, don't get me wrong, I am a huge proponent and I love AA. It's a beautiful program. It helps a lot of people. It has helped me personally. However, I... I observed over the years of seeing my husband becoming a retread, which is what they call somebody who falls off the wagon a lot, that there were pieces of the puzzle that were missing from that program, from my humble opinion. And part of that that piece of the puzzle... from your humble opinion, but also from seeing the reality of it, Absolutely. So So it's more than opinions, what I'm getting at. Yes, thank you. Uh, You know, AA and NA and OA, they get you thinking uh, a different way. They've focus on the spiritual aspect of recovery and getting people to be willing to have a higher power in their lives. But then people, you know, they go to a meeting and then they go out and they down a coffee and they eat really bad food, donuts and fried foods. And, and they're not seeing that there's a connection and, oh yeah. And smoking, you know, they they go out and like light up a couple of tubes at at the, even at meetings sometimes. And they don't see the connection that those toxic habits may be, thwarting their future recovery and and setting them on a path for a relapse and really what you're getting at is in our chemical based society uh, there are so many things in foods and in the environment and everything else that literally changes the chemistry of your brain that makes it in some cases impossible for normal steps to work you are so smart oh wow (laughs) i was just thinking that might make sense you know and, and so uh, these people are good people. Yes. Many of them are wonderful people. Yes. But they lose the ability um, to have mind over matter uh, or their spirit control their body is another way of saying it. Because of these substances, uh, in many cases designed by evil men and women for that very purpose. Amen. I agree. I believe. And that's part of the reason that we came here to the Red Pill Expo to share our book because... 
you know, they, in, you know, air quotes, yes. want us to remain depressed and distracted. And, and dysfunctional and, and destroyed. Yes, sir. And so, and addiction, it, it, that's, that is the doorway to distraction and dysfunction. So does your book cover your experiences? Does your book cover how to heal and how to come out of it? All the above? Give me an idea. D, all the above. Um, in the book, I do relate. At the end of the book, we actually share each of our individual stories and how you know how our roads to recovery happen. Each meaning you and your husband. My husband and I, yes. Yep. Okay. And in fact, it's, it's this is a little fun sidebar. My husband and I actually wrote this book together. And we were on the board of a phenomenal group called the Alliance for Addiction Solutions. And it's a, it's a, a great group of uh, doctors and therapists and lay people who are trying to share the information about the nutritional and nutraceutical aspect to healing addictions. And right before we went to publish, my husband had a relapse. And uh, we discussed it, and he said, you know what, if we're going to put a book about addiction out, I, my name probably should not be on the cover. And so I, we actually share this story in the book, that to be completely frank, that, you know, there is no single pill to, to help people with addiction. It's a multifaceted approach. It is a mind-body-spirit approach, and you just have to hit it with all the different modalities that you can in order to find recovery and sometimes that path is not a smooth straight path it is a daily commitment a daily quest and one of the keys to the exercise is to insulate yourself uh, by being surrounded by people that can help you not relapse absolutely it, uh, people don't understand that and that's a little bit of the problem that i have with aa and some of these other things they bring all the alcoholics in a room what they need to do is bring a bunch of people in the room that are not alcoholics uh, to surround the recovering person to give them an insulation. Mm, I like that. Right? And, and, and I don't mean to down anybody else who's struggling. I'm just saying they don't belong together because they can't help each other at this point. Now, I'm not saying they never can, uh, but I am saying that you need to get them surrounded by people who can watch and guard and support. That support network is all critical. Certainly, and that is the, the essential principle of most 12-step programs is you get people who have found long-term lasting recovery. And, it, and it, you know, the, the, the point of AA is to have one drunk talk to another, and hopefully the first drunk that's talking to the other drunk is a successfully recovered alcoholic. So they have yes. been there, know what, what, they're, what, the, what the animal is that they're dealing with, and then can surround them and support them with recovery and sobriety so how long have you had sobriety for your condition your circumstance oh my gosh well over a decade all right how about your husband my husband is uh fresh back in recovery this year less than a year god bless him god bless him he keeps coming him, back i'm gonna give him one bit of advice never <laughs> give up yeah i don't care how many times you've relapsed i don't care if it happens yep. again yep i'm not saying i don't care I, I what i mean by that is i do care I'm saying that I don't care in the sense that I want you to keep it up. I want you to keep after it, keep after it, keep after it, because every day sober, every day with sobriety is a good day. Yep. And a relapse means a couple of bad days in the middle. Satan and the enemies of liberty would want you to believe that it's, that it's curtains. But every day you get up and keep after it, there's fresh hope. Yes, sir. And I, I'm actually glad you brought up the S word, uh, because I actually have a theory about 
addiction and specifically with the approach that I'm taking with a more nutritionally oriented approach. I think that a lot of addiction is born out of dysbioses in the gut, in the microbiome, yes. and where there are parasitic entities that happen to look like little snakes. And if you understand that the microbiome is directly related to your brain through the gastroenteric um, well, system. It's, it's what decides what chemicals get sent where, right? Exactly. So, you know, there is a very strong aspect of potential satanic influence yes, through is. the gut that is absolutely a, a very strong factor in keeping people in the addiction cycle. And by the way, that's why, just so you know from a DNA point of view, that's why you can inherit tendencies to things through your mother and father, if you have generations of addicted people, you inherit those leanings, those tendencies. I'm not saying you have no agency, but I'm telling you that that's why when one person takes a drink, they can never come back, if you will, or they almost can never. Whereas some people can drink for a bunch and it never affects them. These uh, chemicals, these uh, realities in the gut, believe it or not, are passed down from generation to generation. I don't know if you know that. Absolutely. Actually, I, I do refer to the work of Dr. Kenneth Blum, All right, who was uh, a phenomenal researcher, and they were finding the genetic cofactors for addiction back in the 1990s, even maybe as far back as the 1970s, and yeah. they, they did find a genetic factor. And since then, he was actually um, one of his, the people who followed him, Julia Ross, who uh, runs a clinic in Northern California. She wrote a really great book called The Mood Cure, and it was based on his work. And there absolutely is a genetic component. However, as you just mentioned, there, is an, there are epigenetics. We can do things above and beyond what are, you know, the, we, we're given this hand of genetic, you know, propensities, but we can make changes to those propensities through our actions, our thoughts, and our beliefs. And our decisions. And our decisions, yes. Yeah. I, you didn't think I had a little bit of an idea about this. Oh, wow. All right. Incredible <laughs> book, ladies and gentlemen. This stuff is for reals. This stuff can change your life. I'm not telling you it's just a read the book and you're cured deal. I'm not saying that at all. But I am saying that the principles taught, the understanding gained, the nutritional reality uh, on tap. First thing you got to do is dump sugar, huh? Yeah, it's one of the hardest things to dump. I know, but it's the first thing you got to do. You know, the first step is the first step, and that is to realize that there's an issue and to just accept and love yourself through it all and just start making changes no matter what you do. Amen. I just mean from a dietary point of view. Sure, so sure. So tell me diet-wise, what do you need to have? What, what, what's the deal? Well, uh, actually, in the book, I, um, based on the work of uh, Blum and some other very smart people, I uh, share different profiles of you know, what kind of deficiency symptoms you might be uh, showing in your in life. In other words, what you're saying is we can trace addictions to, to we can backstep you that absolutely and say, can. hey, this diet, we can tell why these people do these things uh -huh. and gravitate towards these things, and we know it feeds it. Yes. For instance, like if you have, you know, a, a perfectionist personality or maybe you crave uh, crazy experiences jumping out of airplanes or, yeah. you know, maybe you're experiencing a, a need for comfort. There's different profiles. And then what are the substances that you use to comfort yourself or to get relief from those yeah, self symptoms yep. to self-medicate? And then from there... So All right, ladies and gentlemen, I'm telling you right now, great. 
great broadcasting interviews with educated people at Red Pill Expo. Just fun. Just good work. Just necessary stuff, right? All right, quick pause. We'll come back, finish that interview, and then I got a whole lot of news the networks refuse to use. It's a little bit of it I told you so. I hate to bring this up, but I've got to since I hammered on the other side so hard. We'll tell you about it. Protecting your liberties. You're listening to Liberty News Radio. USA Radio News with Lance Pride. President Biden leaves for the United Kingdom on Wednesday, kicking off his first foreign trip as president. The G7 summit starts Friday. Democrats on Tuesday nominated former Virginia Governor Terry McAuliffe to face Republican Glenn Youngkin in the state's November gubernatorial election. Mr. McAuliffe jumped into the primary in December as the one to be. But let me tell you, folks, the road ahead is going to be long. It's going to be tough. The remnants of COVID are going to be with us for a long time. We have to build back a better, stronger Virginia. Mr. McAuliffe beat four Democrat candidates to win the nomination. Houston Methodist Hospital on Tuesday suspended 178 employees without pay for 14 days for failing to comply with its COVID-19 vaccine requirement. The Texas Hospital CEO, Mark Boom, said that nearly 25,000 workers had been vaccinated against the virus by Monday's deadline. We are USA Radio News. Hello, this is Wayne Alaroot for our newest sponsor, Asset Strategies, or ASI for short. ASI is a precious metals powerhouse. They sell gold and silver. Never in history has there been a more important moment to buy gold and silver. ASI has been in business for 39 years. They've served over 20,000 clients and sold $5 billion worth of gold, silver, and precious metals with zero complaints. Last year, gold saw gains of 25%. Silver nearly doubled gold's performance. Now Democrats are in charge. Green New Deal, open borders, free health care for illegals. Bailout broke cities and states. The debt is about to go through the stratosphere. The time to buy is now. The owners of ASI, Michael and Rich Checkin, have been my close personal friends for 16 years. ASI is the company I trust when it comes to buying and selling precious metals. Call now to receive a free consultation and a free one-ounce Silver Eagle with every qualifying purchase when you mention the Wayne Allyn Root Show. Call 800-831-0007. That's 800-831-0007. Or visit AssetStrategies.com. A survey was done to study who is still wearing masks now that the COVID-19 vaccines have been administered to most American adults. Tim Berg from the Phoenix USA Radio News Bureau reports. Fewer Americans are wearing face masks to protect against getting or spreading the coronavirus. A new Gallup poll found mask wearing is down among all groups since the CDC relaxed its masking guidelines last month. 79% of people surveyed say they've worn a mask outside their home during the past week. That's down from 86% in April and 90% every month from July 2020 through March of this year. Pfizer Incorporated announced Tuesday it will begin testing its COVID-19 vaccine in a larger group of children under age 12. The study will use up to 4,500 children at more than 90 clinical sites in the United States, Finland, Poland, and Spain. Pfizer said it will test a dose of 10 micrograms in children between 5 and 11 years of age and 3 micrograms for the age groups 6 months to 5 years. USA Radio News. All right, back to you live, ladies and gentlemen. We are in the middle of this Red Pill Expo interview. Mary Margaret Stratton talking about addiction. Kiss addiction goodbye. 12stepdiet.com, the website. The interview continues. Uh, 
you can trace back to specific neurotransmitter profile neurotransmitters that are missing within your body chemistry like serotonin or GABA or what yeah. have you and then you can figure out you can take nutraceuticals for that and instead of pharmaceuticals you and can nutraceuticals actually ladies and gentlemen are herbal formulations that relate to strengthening specific um, deficiencies yes I don't know how to describe it better no that's perfect all right that was wonderful Keep going. so for instance if you're you know low in serotonin you can increase your uptake of tryptophan yes and you can do that like me will start snoring but I'm with you <laughs> so the one the piece of the, the puzzle that I feel that this book is very revolutionary for is that up to this point they've been talking about amino acids in terms of a big hunk of meat or you know you got to have this this protein yes. that and that's how you're going to get your 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 protein your amino acids but i i said well, let's let's look at the actual nutritional content of all foods and specifically easier to to digest foods such as plant-based foods and so i went through each of those profiles and each of the the nutraceuticals that might be missing and said here's the plant-based easier to digest foods that you can take to help boost your serotonin levels or your GABA or and what that's have in you the book? and that is in the book all right so it's not only a book to read to kind of learn about stories learn about the history understand the fundamentals that we've been discussing but it's also a little bit of a you can look at this and apply it to a specific need per se as well. Absolutely. And I have some, uh, you know, I have some charts in the very beginning. There's a little bit of a workbook to this as well. It's, sure. Uh, you know, there are opportunities for people to figure out what are the, what are the, the environmental factors that they are dealing with. And, you know, really people don't necessarily think of, you know, a cell phone signal being a contributor to addiction. But it, it is. But it is, exactly. No question. You know, and, you know, so from environmental because factors. Literally, some of those signals derange the brain's normal synapses firing as well. <laughs> mm -hmm. But I digress. Anyway, yes. Um, <laughs> this is serious business, ladies and gentlemen. It it's nothing to joke about. It's 12 steps is the kind of idea, right? Yes. And she used 12stepdiet.com to make it easy for people to get the book and learn about it. But it's KISS. Addiction, goodbye. The twelve-step diet to recovery and healing. Um, is it just food? Is it food, exercise, spiritual? Do you go into it all? I do, I do. And actually, this is a the massive book, huh? It is. It's a it's a, a massive book, and I wanted to share what I everything that I could think of to share because, as you said, addiction is a serious issue. Uh, you know, I have I have dealt with my own addictive propensities, as I said, and my husband. I've I've seen the sorrow of what he's had to go through, and then this past year, especially, with the uh, system shutting down absolutely all forms of recovery. You know, you all the twelve steps. Actually, criminal. It is criminal. It, they shut down all twelve step meetings. We saw so many relapses this last year because people didn't have their support groups to go to. Yes, that's why I highlighted that support piece so much. Yes, because it is one of the grand keys. I'm not saying it's the only one, but it is a grand key to the exercise. Yes, and you know, one of the things that I've actually noticed since they, uh, you know, got everybody in this fear based modality, that at the end of a meeting normally people hold hands and say the the lord's prayer or a serenity prayer and because of the fear that they've instilled in people people aren't holding hands and i say hold hands and trust almighty god absolutely and understand that there's an electromagnetic thing that happens between yes, our heart energy when we hold hands and form a circle we we increase that healing energy between all of us and when you create a prayer circle like that when people are praying too uh, you send messages that are answered. Yes. When two or more are gathered. 
Amen to that. Amen. All right, so I want to talk about sexual addiction for a second, too. Is that included? I did not go into sexual addiction, but you could apply it because uh, with the... Um, the profile that is more like the adrenaline junkie yes. uh, would be some usually risky behavior. You know, I, I said jumping out of airplanes, but an adrenaline junkie type person would probably fit into the sexual you know, Some of the addiction. need that you mentioned for attention or need that you mentioned for, um, I can't remember the word you used, touch or um, what do you, a need for? Contact. Contact. Anyway, you said some other word. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, need, those things relate as well. Yes. Yes, I mean, if you're addicted, to, if you're finding your again, the like video gamers, they're they're adrenaline junkies. They they need to get that you know constant like mm, in my face. I need to kill some people or you know whatever it is they're doing. <laughs> in the, you know. But it does stimulate certain sections of the brain, and we can literally trace it to reality of when we feed certain foods to the body, what happens, and we can watch those pleasure centers, and we really have traced and mapped this out. It's very scientific to this point. It's not just guesswork and it's not mojo, goofy stuff. It is not. It is real. It is absolutely real. There are scientific studies that uh, back up all of this as far as the, the, the neurotransmitter connections to specific addiction types. Mary Margaret Stratton, ladies and gentlemen, author of Kiss Addiction Goodbye, 12-Step Diet dot com to learn more thank you so much thank you what you a pleasure are listening to liberty roundtable live yes you are ladies and gentlemen hard-hitting talk at your fingertips no doubt about it moving right along very interesting tidbit here listen to this this is an i told you so and i don't like to run around saying i told you so but in this case i must you know everybody told me oh bitcoin is the next thing since sliced bread this is incredible the, you know, it's all safe and secure. Don't worry, Sam. There's an open source bit chain or blockchain bit, whatever. And, you know, you, it's all transparent. You can see all the transactions, Sam. It's stable as a rock. How dare you speak against it? And I spoke against it. And I told you it is not as safe as you think. Do not dip your toe in the crypto. And I told people that over and over and over. And it took a little bit for me to get paid on this one, but I'm telling you, my technological savvy comes to bear once again. Here is the headline, you naysayers. Bitcoin's value declined by over 10% on Tuesday after the United States government announced that it recovered $4.4 billion, no, million dollars of the cryptocurrency from the hackers of Colonial Pipeline. All right, do you, did you hear what I just said? The U.S. government recovered $4.4 million of the cryptocurrency paid to hackers of Colonial Pipeline. Now, how did that happen? They say this newly discovered vulnerability of Bitcoin which was believed to be beyond the reach of government. Okay, lie. I told you that it was not beyond the reach of government from the very, very start. Everybody argued with me. Everybody said, Sam, you don't even know. Sam, if you just had technical knowledge. Sam, if you just understood bit chain or, you know, blockchain or whatever you want. Sam, it's transparent as all get out. You don't even know. But they say it caused a massive sellout driving 
the tokens market value down. Now listen up, you naysayers. They say, quote, we identified a virtual currency wallet that the dark side actors use to collect the payment from the victim. FBI Deputy Director Paul Abate or Abat said at a Monday press conference, so they identified the wallet. Victim funds were seized from that wallet, preventing the dark side actors from using them. The DOJ, they say, has recovered the majority of the $4.4 million ransom Colonial Pipeline paid to the hackers. Wow, okay. That's according to U.S. Attorney General Deputy Lisa Monaco. So the DOJ recovered it. They found a wallet. The fact that the FBI managed to trace the untraceable and seize it is a concern for libertarians, and they say then anti-government people, uh, around the world because people are saying, wait a minute, how did that happen? Ladies and gentlemen, I told you this from the very start. Don't dip your toe in the crypto. Your government has a backdoor to that. If they didn't, they would not let it continue. Remember I told you that years and years ago? I said, you know what? This is bogus. The government's got a backdoor. If they didn't really have the ability to control it and manipulate it and, and, and do whatever they want with it, they would not let us have it. They would riot. The government would absolutely crack down. That's why they crack down so hard on gold and silver people that call their money money. Because they know once we get a real money supply that is outside of government, they lose control. But with Bitcoin, they still maintain control. So you've got this massive hacker dark side group that literally hack. What's going on? They hacked the Bitcoin. So this pipeline thing, uh, they got paid. Everybody says that you can't find them. You can't do anything about it. You can't stop it. The government just found the wallet and took the money. The government blatantly admits this. How does this happen to all you educated techies out there? Maybe you ought to listen to me next time, huh? Liberty Roundtable Live. To leave a message, press 1. To change your message, press 7. Hey, Mom, Dad, Mark here. Wow, I love college. Really? I never knew living on my own could be so uh, good for me. Uh. To change your message, press 7. So, here I am at college. It's cool. Well, of course, it's only been a week. To change your message. Hey, it's me. I was just remembering that time I hit my first home run. You know, through the garage window. Thanks for not being mad. No. To change. Hi. Boy, I miss you guys. I miss my room. I miss waking up to warm socks straight from the dryer. Warm socks? Family. Isn't it about time? Hi, it's Mark. Um... Love you guys. Uh, I'll call you later. From the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Can a nation conceived in liberty carry its head high if it denies protection to the youngest and most vulnerable of its citizens? Can a country founded on God-given rights continue to thrive without understanding that life is 
a precious gift from our creator. As a physician, I have looked into the eyes of one pound babies. I have cradled their small bodies in the palm of one hand. I defy those who are careless, who would disregard life and look at these tiny little miracles and say, we're not gonna protect that. But I believe there will come a time when we are all judged on whether or not we took a stand in defense of all life from the moment of conception until our last natural breath. One thing I promise you, I will always take a stand for life. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I'm telling you right now, you just can't make this stuff up, okay? I told you don't dip your toe in the crypto. I told you that government had a backdoor to it. If they didn't have a backdoor to it, they would have never let it grow and flourish to the point that it has. Millions, billions of dollars uh, in these currencies. And the government doesn't like, let me say this again, the government doesn't like, let me say it one more time to be very clear, the government does not like counterfeiting competition. And so if Bitcoin did not have a backdoor, they would never let it flourish and let us have a barter system, quote, off the grid, out of their purview. Okay, that's how I knew that it was hackable and that they had a backdoor. I also know that everything is hackable and everything has a backdoor. Okay, because I'm a tech guy and I know this stuff. And everybody said, you don't even know what you're talking about, Sam. You Come on, if you just... But now they're blatantly admitting your government, blatantly admitting Bitcoin's value declined over 10% Tuesday after the U.S. government announced that it had recovered $4.4 million. How did they get it? They literally found the wallet. They used the back door. They took the money out of the hackers, the dark side hackers account. Boom. Now, I don't mean to just be so crazy on this, folks, and be so cocky, but I'm telling you these things are predictable as the day is long. That's why I spend so much time on it. Now, this hacked CEO, his name is Joseph Blount, or Blunt, I don't know how you say his name. But anyway, the CEO of this pipeline group, chief colonial executive, is grilled by Senate's panel over hype or um, pipeline hack. All right, here's what he said: Our password was strong. It was a complicated. It was a complicated password. He says, "Well, I appreciate, I appreciate that, buddy. But look, so you got the pipeline hacked." Supposedly, it had a strong password, but a single password. It didn't have two-factor authentication or anything else on it. They had to blatantly admit in the congressional testimony, querying down of this guy, uh, this CEO testifying. Okay, so it was not very strong, even if it had a good password. But what you got now is this whole story coming out. How did the pipeline get hacked? Who did it? Well, they say this dark side hacker group did it. They're the ones that got paid by Bitcoin. And the government was able to discover who the group was that hacked it. Then they were able to discover that they uh, had a Bitcoin account that was tied to this group. And then they literally went in and took the Bitcoin from the hackers. Now, let me stop you right there for one really important second. Listen to what I'm saying very, very very clearly, all right? When the government tells you, by golly, we don't know who 
is tampering with our elections. We don't know who did this or did that on the Internet. Golly, we can't find the Russian spies that uh, did this or uh, looked into that. Or, you know, we don't know who the WikiLeaks hackers were who got the emails on the Democrat Party. And we don't maybe it was Trump. Maybe it was the Chinese. Maybe it was the Russians. But we're not really sure. And, okay, I'm telling you right now, write this down. Write it down five times so you don't forget it. They lie to you, ladies and gentlemen. Look, the Internet was built by the Pentagon with dark government money, black funding, if you will, in bed with the universities, in bed with big tech companies. I've told you this a thousand times. In fact, James Corbett, who was at the Red Pill Expo, uh, I guess he wasn't there physically, but he he did a presentation there. Um, Anyway, James Corbett and others have reported on on this extensively, and they've created videos helping you understand the CIA, the Pentagon, the black op money, uh, the corporations built up to partner with InQtel and others, uh, private sector businesses that are compromised, along with universities where top talent is found. Uh, they all have partnered for this. The Internet's not built. I know you believe the Internet's built on anonymity, but that's a lie. The Internet was not built on anonymity at all. And the idea that they can't discover who you are or can't trace you down or track you down is absolutely bogus. I remember reading a book. It's a reality tale. A guy by the name of Kevin, somebody wrote it. But it's called Ghost in the Wires, okay? And he tells his personal story about how he was a hacker and eventually how they eventually closed in on him and hunted him down and found him and he went to prison. But it's an incredible reality check story. It's called Ghost in the Wires. Kevin something, Sipnik or something like that. Anyway, uh, all I'm telling you is the idea, ladies and gentlemen, that the Internet is is designed for anonymity is a flat-out lie from the pit of hell. All right, this hacked CEO, Joseph Blount, thinks his password was strong. Who really hacked it? Was it, the, was it the dark side? Was it the government? Who knows who really hacked it? We don't know, but the government certainly knows. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if this was a false flag. So the government could literally lay out before you and I and everybody else that, hey, man, the government has the keys to the kingdom. When it comes to the Internet, they built it in bed with black op money, universities, and business. And this high trifecta uh, of, of uh, tyranny has been built, and it's coming to bear. Now, you and I are using it for our own purposes, and that's wonderful. Okay? But I'm telling you that Bitcoin's value declined literally 10% because of this whole scandal. Because the hack CEO uh, you know, got hacked. They shut down the pipeline. They had to pay a bunch of Bitcoin to get it back. Now the government admits they literally beat the other guys at the game. I'm just telling you, wow, right? That's a really, in my opinion, critical story when it comes to who controls the Internet, who's who, et cetera, right? Okay? Don't be deceived on this, folks. Okay, and I'll give you another example. Um, there, I don't even know what to call this thing. But there is a worldwide application that was used. I'm going to call it Drug Bust 101, if you will. Okay. 
There is an app that people have been using around the world, drug dealers and all kinds of stuff. Um, it's called a headline about this says inside the FBI scheme that took down gangs. Okay. So the New York post. All right. This is interesting. So these people, these drug addicts and drug dealers and everybody else would use this special phone app and they thought they were secure from government. They thought, Oh, the government can't get us here or know what's going on here. But it turns out that it was a lie. All right? The government lied. Okay? Inside the FBI's cell phone tracking. The FBI literally created an app. And they say the FBI app exposed triads cartels and Middle East crime syndicates. I kid you not. It's a whole video. And um, it's hard to explain. But the um, they say how criminal influencers unknowingly aided in a global crime takedown. The FBI encrypted phone app led to hundreds of global underworld arrests. Yeah. Here's what happened. A couple of beers between a few people. U.S. and Australian law, US and Australian law enforcement officials ended up with a huge criminal underworld takedown that thwarted dozens of murders an untold amount of drugs, and led to more than 800 arrests, authorities now said. The operation was called, it was dubbed Trojan Shield. The U.S. duped criminals into buying cell phones that had preloaded FBI software on them and exposed all these different people. Is this shocking to you, ladies and gentlemen? It's not to me. Right? This is not news to me. It's news to you. Because you guys don't understand the government. Yeah. They say the cooperation between law enforcement agencies across the globe. What do you think of that? The cooperation between uh, let's see here. The cooperation between law enforcement agencies across the globe, along with the innovative tactics, was unprecedented. A U.S. prosecutor who worked the operation said, this was an unprecedented operation in terms of its massive scale, innovative strategy, and technological and investigative achievements, they say. Wow. It's shocking. This was an unprecedented operation in terms of its massive scale, its innovative technological capabilities. Randy Grossman of the Southern District of California said, Yeah. 
the supreme irony here is that the very devices these criminals were using to hide from law enforcement were actually beacons for law enforcement. Long article. Very complicated, technically speaking. I'm uh, putting it on the kitchen table for y'all. But there you have it. All right, I don't know if you know, but the Missouri House passed legislation that would make January 12th Rush Limbaugh Day. Yeah, they had a big old battle about this um, because some said Rush Limbaugh was a racist and a misogynist and all these things. Others are saying, no, he's an American hero. The battle raged, but the House in Missouri passed January 12th Rush Limbaugh Day. Thought I'd bring that to your attention. Final story before the end of the hour headline before the second round jazz Utah Jazz playoffs, so the NBA, right? Utah Jazz, $55 standing room only tickets. Now, I don't mean to be rude, but I'm going to bluntly say this. Who in their right mind, ladies and gentlemen, would spend $55 on a standing room only ticket? Um, I don't know how to handle this. <laughs> I don't know why anybody would even buy these. I get that you want to go to the jazz game, okay? But standing room only tickets? I don't understand it. $55 standing room tickets. Wow. Expensive as all get out. Standing room only. Maybe we got to focus a little bit more on more important things than a big bunch of, uh, I don't know what you want to call it, children. In adult bodies, throwing balls into hoops. I'm not saying it's not fun, but I am saying, wow, we've gone to an entertainment low. $55 tickets, standing room only. Amazing. And that's in a very conservative state that should be lower priced than most of the big markets as well. Very weird indeed. Two hours in the can. Thanks for being with me. LibertyRoundTable.com, LovingLiberty.net. God save the Republic of the United States of America.